Well, the title of the message here this morning is Revival in Our Streets. <laughs> Revival in Our Streets. Unless Nigel, like, took my iPad this morning when we were praying and I didn't know and he flicked through and maybe he had prepared, like, 45 different little offering messages and he's like, oh, that one works. No, he didn't do that because I got a highly sophisticated four-digit code to get into my iPad. That could be very related to some postcodes around the area. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> better change that now. Oh, but... As Nigel said, we do have a vision here in church and it's up on our wall and it is that the mid-north coast would know Jesus. We consider this our true north in this church and we're passionate about people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And when they take that step, we're passionate about seeing them become strong disciples of Jesus. And salvation of souls is the heartbeat of God. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. His desire that none would perish. I'm glad that that was God's desire for my life. He desired that Hartley Frederick Taylor born on the 22nd of August, 1976, would not perish but make it to heaven to have eternal life with him. That was his desire and his heartbeat for my life. And that is desire and heartbeat for everyone in this auditorium and that is heart and desire for everyone that lives in this region, that none would perish, that they would find themselves living in eternity in heaven with God. I consider the final words of Jesus of high importance and words that I'm sure many of us heard before, but you can't discount them. You've got to pay attention when Jesus says, like he does in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How cool is that, that next Sunday we're going to be baptizing some of our young people, some of the young tweens and teenagers in our midst that have said yes to Jesus, to inviting them into their life and they're going to take that significant step in their life. I love that. I was in Tari on Wednesday night this week at a, at a prayer meeting uh, and as I left the house, the house that was hosting us for this prayer meeting, they attend our foster Tunkari location and, and the parents were saying, oh, just wait Hartley. A boy has something to say to you and this is a young boy. I think he's He's eight or nine, I think. And, he, and as he looks up from his uh, lower perspective than me, and he looks up to me and he goes, I want to be water baptised. <laughs> and we stood in the doorway of this house as this young boy had made a clear decision in his heart that he wanted to be baptised. <laughs> he wanted to take that next step in his faith journey with Jesus. And my heart was moved and went home and had to send through some notes to his dad. He's going to take him through and we're planning on, on making the, the time and the date to see that happen, to take that beautiful step. And I just know, and what I love is that God wants to use all of us in this room to partner with him to see that come to pass. Because it's just not all of him. It's us together. 
It's the culmination of this beautiful, great and mighty and powerful God using his people on this earth, you and I, to reach people with the gospel, to touch people with the love of Jesus Christ, that people can know that they can receive Jesus, that they can make their way to heaven. And I consider it a great honor that God would even use me to play a part in his great plan and purpose for the earth and the people of this place. What a privilege. What an honour. And I think sometimes you just got to make a bit of a decision in your heart. Oh, God, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be used by you. As Nigel said, talk about purpose. (laughs) Talk about a purpose. When you get to join with God for the biggest thing, the biggest thing on the planet, the best news on the planet, and that is when people come to receive Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. Romans 10 says, verse 15, just as it is written and forever remains written, this is in the Amplifier, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. How beautiful are your feet. I don't have beautiful feet in the natural And right now, they're particularly not beautiful. Monday last week, I walked around the side of my house to drop something in the bins. And do you know how you've got three bins? Which bins? And I walked down to one of the bins, threw something in. And as I was walking my way back, I had a moment that I'm I'm glad to say I don't happen too often in, in life, but I completely booted the wheel of the wheelie bin with great force. I was... I was glad that nothing bad came out of my mouth because it was painful enough that it could have, it was okay. And I was like, okay, that's good. And as I looked down, I saw my foot and I'm like, ah, that really hurt. And as I hobbled around the house in the coming moments, leaving a trail of blood through the house, I'm like, this isn't cool. And at first I just thought it was the second toe that I'd taken some skin off. But as time went on, I realised it was much worse than that. And I've actually had a week around home where I've been limping a lot because I'm pretty sure I've heavily bruised, if not broken something in the little toe. The nail on the little toe to this moment is not looking like it's going to survive for much longer. It's not looking good at all. And these are for feet that has a second toe that's longer than the big toe. Like, my feet aren't pretty. I'm glad that we're not a church that has bare foot as part of our culture on a Sunday morning. In the natural, they're not pretty, but how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And the good news is the news of Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, that's how you are seen from God when you are bringing the good news. I love that we as the body can get on part of this great plan. When I'm frequently in prayer meetings, I just find myself time and time and time again praying for souls, praying for people to come to know Jesus. It's like that just, it needs to happen and we can't ignore it. People need to know Jesus. They need to know, and I just know that this is is this heartbeat of God, and I just feel it time and time and time again. And we've got to, as a church, just be clearly focused on this, that people would come to know him, and there is way too many people around us that don't know him. It's important because eternity is long. 
When I preach, I don't often use props. But this morning, I have a prop. A little bit excited about my prop over here. This is a big rope. Well, it's a very thick rope. Why do we have a rope like this in church? Well, we have youth here on a Friday night, and I tell you what, you need a lot of props and things for youth and things to entertain. But here we have a long rope, and I'm just going to put this end out of sight. Just for imagination, pretend that that just disappears behind there, and it just keeps going, like like really keeps going, like the rope kind of goes up onto the roof, a couple of laps of Australia, kind of New Zealand, up to New Caledonia, through Fiji, around a couple of good spots with good waves, and then we make our way over to New York, and then we go up to London. Like the rope just goes and goes and goes. And see this part of the rope? That's life on Earth. It's pretty short compared to the rest. It's really short. Do you know what? So many of us, and frequently me included, spend so much time just focused on this. This part's really short compared to the rest. And what we do here matters for the rest. And I tell you what, there's one thing about eternity. Once you're living in it, you can't reverse where you end up. It's all got to be decided in this little segment. And I just want us to have the fresh reminder that this matters what we do on the earth. And we've got to use our time and our resources wisely, be focused on the right things, because it matters. It really does matter to my extra long rope. Throw it over there so I don't trip over it in a few seconds. It matters, doesn't it? And there's two options. <laughs> the eternity can be, as the Bible says, and we can't steer away. It can be a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what it says in the Word of God. Or it can be a place described as paradise. And I know where God wants us to end up and wants all people to end up. And we've just got to make sure that we do all we can to get people to the place that is the place called paradise. The place called paradise. It says this in 1 Timothy 2, 4-7 in the message version. He wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone, to get to know the truth we've learnt. That there's one God and only one and one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone, everyone held captive by sin, to set them all free. When I think about that, everyone, I think we need faith to know that it's for everyone and no one's out of the reach of God. No one's out of his reach. He can touch them. It's the season, it's the time for him to move in mighty ways. Last week as we finished our service up 
at our Foster Town Curry location, we had a moment where I started to invite people out. Um, Sue Munro would preach the most amazing message and we were inviting people out for prayer down there on Mother's Day. And because it was Mother's Day, I just felt this sense around the room that there was a lot of people in the, in the uh, room down there that were just longing to have family members come back to Christ or come to Christ. And there was a lot, a, a long way away from him. And I felt in that moment, and I kind of had this revelation that the grip of the enemy is not that strong. <laughs> the grip over these people, and sometimes it can look like they are so far from God. People in your family and your friends and your neighbours so far from God. But I want to remind us that the grip of the enemy is not that strong. Because when Jesus comes into a situation, yeah, let's give him a round of applause. When Jesus comes into a situation with his power, anything is possible. Anything is possible. In 1 Samuel 5, there's a story where the Philistines had taken down the Israelites in this season and they've taken the Ark of the Covenant. And we read that they come and bring this Ark of the Covenant that represents the presence of God and they lay it next to their God, the God of Dagon, which is a God representing both humans and fish, would you believe? And they lay it next to this God. They just think, oh, we're victorious, we're winning the battle, we've just taken down God's people, the Israelites. And they wake up the next morning after placing the Ark of the Covenant next to their God. And guess where their God is? He's flat on his face. He's fallen down overnight and he's flat on his face. So what do they do? They go and pick up their God and they place him back up and they go to bed and they wake up the next morning. They're probably thinking... Maybe some wind blew. I don't know what it was. And guess what happens the next day? The God, this time even better. Not only is he flat on his face, his head's come off and his limbs have come off. The power of God. And I don't want us ever to think that he can't reach in and reach people. When he's at move with his power and his might, I know that he can do a magnificent and a wonderful thing to touch people. Back to the scripture in 1 Timothy, it goes on to say, eventually the news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work, getting this news to those who have never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. It's Paul writing to Timothy, just declaring. He's, he's just so focused on his purpose. I love that. Just clarity. Clarity is one of the greatest things you can have in life when you are just clear in your mind, clear in what your purpose is. And I know we're all doing life and there's a whole lot of things that make up our week and our months and all of that. But I just think in there, in life, doing it well with God, this is just a part of it. It's a part of it. Not a lot of us here are full-time in the ministry. 98% of us aren't. But in one sense, you're in the ministry wherever God has placed you. Because if you're delivering the good news, your feet are beautiful. <laughs> and you're doing what God calls you to do. And that is magnificent and wonderful. The world is getting darker. I sometimes think, man, the generation's coming up. It's not easy. It's like 
It's dark out there, the things that are coming. But one thing that we can be completely aware of is the light shines brighter in the darkness. The light shines brighter in the darkness. When these lights are on in the day, they help. But I tell you what, you walk into this auditorium and I've done it in the middle of the night and it's pitch black. Oh my goodness. When you turn on these lights, boom, the difference is unbelievable. When it is really, really dark, the light shines brighter and it's more effective and it makes more of a difference. And the Word of God says, as we know, that Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Jesus says that you're the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We're the light. We're the light. And when things are getting darker, we're going to shine even brighter. We are the light when we come with him. We get involved in this great thing. What an honour. And I'm believing revivals come into our streets. It's God's great desire. Revival is the noun form of the verb revive. The origin of the original word is meaning to live again, to return or to restore to consciousness or life. It can also be the restoration of something to its true nature and purpose. When, we, when humans were created, their true nature and purpose was to be completely in relationship with God all the time. And through to the fore, a separation happened. And ever since, the whole thing needs to come back to people to be with God and walk with Him. To walk with Him. That's what God wants to see. And I just know that God wants to see a mighty outpouring of His Spirit and people and the saved been lost. Romans 13, and the message again says, verse 11, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. And be up and about. Let's be up and about. Let's follow this through and let's do it. Let's get up. Let's get up. Let's not look, waste the opportunities that come our way. And man, I miss so many times where I just think, oh, I could have done that conversation better. Could have gone deeper with that person. Should have asked them this. I want to get better. I really, really do. Because lives matter. Think about, we've been thinking about lately when Jesus teaches us to pray and he says that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I ponder that and think, in heaven, everyone's walking with God and he wants that here on earth, that his will would be done, that people would be walking with him. 
walking with him. Recently, I was in the altar. The altar is, if you haven't been, it's uh, a prayer we do here every Tuesday night of the school term. It's at six o'clock and we we have a time of kind of prayer and worship. It's kind of a hybrid. Uh, there's no run sheet. Normally the band will lead and sometimes the whole, the whole night's just, you know, worship and we're praying in our seats and sometimes the, you know, the person leading uh, will pray into this and that. It's just the most <laughs> glorious time of, of feeling the presence of God and just, I don't know, it's good that it's during the week to get us going on a good track and everyone is always invited at 6 o'clock. We pray for about 45, 50 minutes and worship. It's beautiful and I was here at the end of last term and I, I saw a vision that actually really encouraged me. I saw a vision of like a tornado going down like some back streets, almost like some alleyways, and I just saw some people kind of getting caught up, and it wasn't a a tornado that was causing destructions. It was lifting people higher, and I got this beautiful sense of what God was going to do in our midst of reaching people, and I really sensed that it was going to be some of the people that we think they're not reachable. They're so far from God. They've turned their back on Him, and I was like, no, God's going to reach these people in our midst and he's going to bring them up higher to the things of him and I just kind of like wow and I was so encouraged as I saw this and as I started to pray out of that these are the things that I prayed into that took me by surprise a little bit but I really felt that God was leading me to and that was the part that the body was going to play and that included in that was us living our lives in a certain way that included living lives of righteousness, living lives of love and living lives with a pure heart. And I, I sensed that as I was praying and I just, you know, to pray, you know, as we lent into, you know, that we would live the lives of righteousness that we're to live. And when you walk in the truth of the righteousness we have received through God, through Christ's act of love, there's this beautiful freedom that comes. We're able to live how God would want us to live. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Two pretty cool statements in the one uh, proverb right there. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, a tree producing great fruit. With many branches, it's not going to be just a stump because there's no fruit coming out of that. This thing's going to, it's going to produce. In my backyard, I have this, it's a passion fruit vine, but it's almost like a tree, the, the stump of it. I don't know how long it's been in the ground, but it's the thickest thing at the bottom. And man, this thing can produce some passion fruits. I love it when it's pumping out. I love summer passion when the passion fruits are coming out. I particularly like it when I know that, you know, Every night there's going to be six or eight on the ground and I walk through the supermarket and see passion fruits, you know, two for three dollars. I'm like, not at my place. And just this abundance and abundance and abundance of these passion fruits. Boom, boom, boom. It's hard to keep up with. I've had times where people come over and go, want some passion fruits? And I'm just like, it's this, it's producing, it's producing. And the fruit of the righteous is going to be a tree of life love that. That's what God wants us to be. It's not always easy to walk the way we're called to walk, but it's so worth it. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shines brighter and brighter until the full day. This way of living, and we've got to know that living this way is going to make a difference, isn't it? 
there's a way where to live that will stand out. And I just loved hearing just Nigel's talk about the aspects he tries to do in life of, you know, of work and showing up on time, working hard and, and being honest and all of those things of integrity and they make a massive, significant difference. As I said, love was another thing that I think the body of Christ we need to do well to living a life of love because that's how Jesus lived. <laughs> he lived a full life of love and where to follow in that. It was the foundation of the life of Jesus Christ and it needs to be a foundation of our life. Love accepts, love supports, love listens, love cares. Ultimately, love can prepare a pathway for people to see Jesus. In Ephesians 4, 5, Paul's writing during his, during his first Roman imprisonment, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A passage of scripture that frequently you know, gets read out uh, in weddings is out of 1 Corinthians. And I think it's such a significant pa passage for the church where it starts to go through and discuss all these quite powerful spiritual things that if love isn't at the root, they're completely worthless. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Doesn't sound very good, does it? And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, it is kind, does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude does not assist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let's be good at doing this, church. Let's lean in. Maybe go home this week and go through those aspects of what love is and rate yourself, because I know all of us can do better love will lead us to have a heart of compassion will lead to action and we'll see others coming to know jesus let's have a heart for the lost church let's stop judging people <laughs> and i had a bit of a wake-up call myself this week i found found myself in a bank banking a check <laughs> And I am pretty sure I haven't done this for about 15 years. So much so, I walked into my bank. It was just a really small check. And I'm like, I'm sure there's like deposit slips that you've got to fill in with all the details. And it's kind of annoying in total. And I'm looking around and I'm looking around and I couldn't see any. I, just, I was like clueless. I didn't know what I was doing in there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to line up for the teller to, to go and bank this check. And as I, as I stood in the line, someone was getting served. And there was a couple before me, young couple, and I kind of stood there and they were kind of mucking around and looking at phones and I looked at their clothes and they were wearing very different clothes to what I was wearing and they, their shoes were like really dirty and, and 
I, I found myself like kind of almost judging. And then all of a sudden it's just like, what are you doing, Hartley? This is, I'm thinking back to that vision of these people. These are the people God is going to reach, wants to reach. And very quickly I had to turn this, I don't know what I was doing, into just a silent prayer for these young people that they would know Jesus, that God would touch them, that God would come through, that they would somehow find out about him and his goodness and his love for them. I had to change the tone, the thoughts that I was going through. And I just believe that's church where the, the, the area that we have to lead into doing that is truly having this great, deep love for others and living ourselves in a place with a pure heart. As people get close to us, they see things, don't they? I was away just a few weeks ago at our National C3 conference. And because I was found myself uh, in the hotel and because the hotel has a gym, it was time for the annual gym visit. <laughs> so the first afternoon, I had a little bit of time because I had to fly in the day before to be ready for the next day. I'm like, here I go, I'm off to the gym. So I walked my way into the gym and ding, got into the little door and there I am in the gym and got on a little bike and did a bit of the rowing and I went, oh, I've got to do some weights too. I better do some weights. I need some weights. They definitely need to be done. And, but off to the side was a door that had a sauna and a spa and I kind of looked into the spa and there was like a kid and a mum in the spa and it's all bubbling away the water and I'm like, okay. And, I, and then I went back to the gym. I said I went back to the gym, just so you know it was more than one, the following morning. And when I'm in there, there was no one this time in the spa area. So halfway through my thing, I kind of got curious and went and walked in the spa. And this time, the water wasn't bubbling. It was all stationary. And as I walked up near the spa, I got there and I just looked into the water and saw stuff all on the bottom of the, the spa and around the seats. Thank goodness no Band-Aids. How bad is the Band-Aid in the spas? But I just saw the stuff. And I was just like, yeah, no thanks. And I just made my way straight over there. There was no chance I was going in that spa after what I had seen in the spa, the impurities in that spa. And I know, church, people are watching us. And I know we are not perfect, but we've got to work at it. We've got to work at life. We've got to get the things that aren't of God, the things that are hidden, and we've got to work at them because as people come close, they're going to want to keep coming closer and closer, not kind of get halfway and go, ooh, is that how you respond in that situation? Is that what comes out of your mouth? I can see your heart in that thing, and people are going to see. We've got to work at it because we're reflecting him. We're reflecting him. And I just think, let's be really good. Let's not, we can't afford to deal with the inner parts of our worlds that aren't great. For our own sake, pass beyond that for the sake of others. It's not wear masks and cover up what's not right. It's a season to consecrate. It's a season to surrender our lives to Christ. And it's hard at times. We've all got things to work at, me included. But I tell you what, it's what he wants us to do. He really does. I'll get the band to come up now. Let's be authentic. 
Let's be real. Let's be honest to God and to ourselves. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're blessed when you work at what's going on in the inside. You need to work on it. You need to work on it. Because we can believe that revival is going to sweep through our streets. A mighty move of God. A mighty move of God. Keep leaning into Him. God's got the pathway for us to live this life. Jesus has forgiven our sins. He's washed us clean. And we can just walk in that and get good. Paul talks about, you know, got this beautiful grace of God. Does that mean we should go on, keep on sinning? He's like, certainly not. Absolutely not. It's not an excuse. But I just think when we go and live the way he would want us to live, many will come to know him. As we lean into him, as we get into the word, as we, like really get into the word. Read the Word of God and apply the Word of God. Read and apply. Read and apply. Let Him change you. Our desire should not be to be the same person in the days ahead. He wants to move us forward. He wants to touch us. He wants to use our lives so that He can touch others. So that He can touch others. In a moment, we're going to sing a beautiful song called...